0: up guys my name is kj and this is why theology and i have with me two special guests um a couple of weeks ago i had my pastor on now i got both the pastor and the pastor's wife so i'm official y'all can you guys introduce yourselves
1: yeah i'm um alina thomas i was born and raised in memphis and uh, currently reside here in pine bluff arkansas
2: Hey, I'm Crescent Thomas, and I'm here in Pine Bluff, born and raised in Pine Bluff. uh, Pastor here at Christ Redeemer Church in Pine Bluff, Arkansas.
0: All right. And now, today, 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 we got a very special topic. You know, me me and my wife did an episode about marriage, and I noticed that people kind of interested in marriage. And so I want to dive just a little bit deeper into marriage, and we're going to talk about that today. And so today's title of this podcast episode is Marriage is Miserable. Stay tuned. And we're back. And so first question is, you know, how did you guys meet? I know you guys are married. How long have you guys been married, actually?
1: Well, we have been married for eight years, but have known each other for 12.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. And how did you guys meet? Was it in school? Like, was it in the hood in Memphis? Or like, what? Were... <laughs>
2: you, you want me to get an honest version? Or... Whoever did the, the truthful version. I want to The real <laughs>
1: version. <laughs> I was a freshman in college and um Creston was about a fifth year senior and <laughs> you gotta um, put on my business out there. <laughs> and um he was actually president of an organization on campus. Um and my roommate had invited me to one of their meetings. And so of course being a freshman and wanting to get to know people and being on campus and all that, um, I was reluctant and I said yes. And (laughs) that was where the ball started rolling. Uh Um, Truth be told, I went in, definitely not looking for a husband, um, but um, Creston had pursued me through my roommate. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. And from there, the spark started and I, I'm gonna um, let
2: you go ahead and tell your version, okay.
1: <laughs> and so, um, throughout knowing Creston, um, I realized that he was looking for a church home in Memphis, um, and so I was like, you could totally come to my church, um, and so that's where he met our pastor Thai, and um, I started discipling him and um, discipling just the both of us. Thai's wife Angie um, was pouring into me at the time, and um. Yeah, from there, the Lord kind of just grew us as as friends, and um, we just realized how much um, um, we needed Christ, and through that, Christ built our relationship um, together, so that is the real version.
0: <laughs> Usually, the, you know, the wise version is probably the right one, so I'm not going to try to get beat up today, but I'm just going to say <laughs> yes. But... Pastor Thomas, you know, some call you apostle, Revan, like I said in another episode. What is the
2: what would you say is the correct version of how you guys met? Yeah, she she's she's um I mean she gave partial of the story, but uh but for me, I don't wanna sleep on the couch tonight. So hey, I'm gonna go ahead and go along with her version on it. But uh but yeah, man, I met Alina in college and uh man we were at a, a unique place, um, unique place in life that uh for me, you know, wanting to uh, find a good church and for her, uh part of a good church, and she invited me over to the church and uh and thought i, I thought I had it all together when I went over there to the church and but man the the Lord just through going in and being discipled by thigh man, just starting to see my own heart and see how I was still struggling with different things and and it actually uh poured into our dating life, and we struggled in different areas and um uh, but um uh, but by God's grace over time, the lord uh was so kind to us for us to um, to have some good people in our lives and everything to pour into us, to to point us back to God's word and then for eventually for us to get married. And um, now we have uh, six beautiful children now. And um, so it, it's just been a joy uh, getting to know Alina and being with her and, and her family. Um, it just it's been it's been a joy.
0: I got you, man. I, I actually wiped this later, but, you know, for Creston, man, what was it like? about your wife that you knew for a fact okay this is the woman god's calling me to like how did you know like i'm called to marry to? making sense
2: yeah yeah um uh, i mean still when, when i married Elena, uh which uh lena was you know beautiful smart caring <laughs> i mean all those things were there and um and not in and in, in, of course we throw those scriptures in there you know P31. I want to, you know Ephesians 5, you know, <laughs> Ephesians 525, man love his wife, Christ love the church. And and you know, for me to say, Oh, yeah, I want a Christ-centered marriage. And 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 I said all those biblical things, you want a marriage built upon the Bible, but nationality, I, I really do think a lot of it was just a lot of uh, um verbiage I was using. Um I mean, of course, everybody want a, a marriage that resembles Christ. But for me, mostly, it was a lot of verbiage. I think Elena, most of the marriage, she was beautiful, and um, I couldn't admit that at the time. You know, I couldn't admit that. You know, that was one of the main reasons why I married her because she's beautiful. Um, but over time, man, um, the Lord um, drew drew me um, in, in a sense of to, not only I mean to himself, but also to more of his attributes, and and I start to see things differently as we. Um, um, as we grew in our marriage, uh, it wasn't all about just the beauty, uh, on the outside, but, um, it was more to that, you know, and I didn't catch on to that right quite, a, you know, early, it took a little bit longer to catch on to that, but I never would admit that at the time that beauty played this major role into my marriage or uh, my interest into Telena.
1: Hmm.
0: So would you say, like, um, like you said, through your understanding of more about God's attribute to kind of reflect like you're, it like you it kind of better reflected your like what marriage is designed to be in a sense
2: yeah um yeah w- w- you know when growing up in a in a home and my mom and dad been married um, um for um over forty some years and and just seeing um their relationship and um how my dad you know led the home and and how my my mom and just her tender heart within our family, um, all the things was just great, you know, and, and seeing so many things from my parents. But um, I, I think one of the things, and, and I think at the time he goes in, I mean, at, over time, at my dad, um, I mean, he did the, say, the best he was at, you know, the best he could in the sense of with the theology that he had or so how he cared for my mom. But uh, but the Lord uh, was able for, for me to be able to see the, um, um, the more the purpose of marriage, And I think that's what Paul gets at in Ephesians 5. I think in Ephesians 5, um, around by verse 32 or uh, 33, Paul um, actually gets in there and talks about this whole mystery uh, of marriage. Um, In um, Ephesians 5, 32, 33, he said, uh, This mystery is profound, and I'm saying it refers to Christ and the church. But if you go a little bit farther up, um paul saw saw with husband love your wife as christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wink wrinkle or in, or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish in the same way husbands should love their wives as the, as their own bodies He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Hmm. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So all the way back into Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. The entire purpose of marriage of a um, of a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast his wife. The whole mystery of that was already teaching us of Christ in the church. And for me, uh, when I got exposed to that and seeing that, I think that brought a radiant light, you know, before my eyes on how to understand marriage. And so um, so it took a little time. But over time, I start seeing marriage as everything. Marriage does it focuses and points to something about Christ. Hmm.
0: Now, what would you say um, for somebody out there that that's, that is aspiring for marriage? I guess we should like let's back up a little bit because I, I feel like you know a lot of times, especially like you know in Christian like you know community we are now, we have you know singleness and marriage. But like marriage is preached so much that like we forget about the beauty and singleness. So like, what would you say about that too? Of course, my my main question is like for somebody that's aspiring for marriage, what it you know what would you give them from encouragement? Like, what is a biblical marriage? But like also like, we look at singleness as an equal footing as marriage as well. Am I making sense?
2: Yeah, um, I I think um, as we I think we, we 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 pursue marriage in a way of it's like it's distinct it's distinct or it's unique and it's different from everything else in Christianity. You know, how we evangelize, how we go to work, how we do certain things. We say do all those things for God's glory. But for marriage, it's kind of like its own thing at times. We kind of put it in its own kind of type of category. And that uh, with marriage, it, it's not held within the same standards, how we should view everything else in life. But marriage is, 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 is uh, exists for the same purpose everything else exists uh, as Christians around us. Um, we exist to glorify the Lord. Our whole purpose in this is to know the Lord. I think the catechism questions uh they said who made you? We say God. What else did God make? All things. Why did God make you in all things? For his glory. And so marriage is for God's glory. But we don't we don't see marriage as such, as for God's glory. God's glory is there, but it's kind of on a back burner. The focus for us in marriage is mostly is for our own self gratification Hmm. for our own self desires. First, as I enjoy my wife, you know, later then I can enjoy God. You know, God is always the secondary in the picture. When you're thinking about marriage, that's what we, you know, that's what I see a lot, but I think it should be turned upside down. I think everything first needs to be seen is sense of uh, our purpose of life is to glorify God and marriage is no different. We pursue marriage to glorify God. Yes. And so for so for someone that is looking at pursuing marriage, or someone that's interested in marriage, or if someone is a single, um, first of all, even in singleness, um, singleness, God uses that us that for His own, conforming us more to the image of His Son. And so singleness shows us, in the sense of that we're not alone, that we we can truly trust God to say He's never leave us or forsake us. And so even in, even in uh, singleness, it, it is well, God uses for his own purpose and his own glory for us to know him and glorify him. Hmm. So singleness is very difficult for a lot of people. And that's why a lot of people you know, that, that are single, they struggle with singleness. I mean, they struggle with loneliness. I mean, and, and they're just, it's hard for them to be content in God, in their loneliness. And, and it's difficult for, for them. But... God uses that, hit them in their singleness, for them to trust him and to be molded into him, to grow into him for his own glory. In the same way, marriage. Marriage is used to grow us in the glory of God. That's why we say marriage is miserable. It's very miserable. <laughs> yes.
0: It's actually the title. is a podcast episode that marriage is miserable. I think uh, Paul David Tripp, he has um, a series about how marriage is disappointing, you know, not trying to put you guys in marriage after, you know, I met you. <laughs> but what would you guys say, like, you know, a disappointing time or a miserable time you guys have faced, you know, in your marriage? Not the worst, not the best, but, like, you know, just one time you guys can recall. And well, I don't want anybody
2: to sit on the couch tonight. But can, we li- can we limit how many we can say? Because my wife's going to say. Just one apiece. Okay, just one. Give her one, okay? He said one, okay? <laughs> you can't list all of them.
1: Um, I think for me... A disappointing time in my marriage would be every day because I'm always finding myself putting myself above God Hmm. and always wanting my needs met Um, and Creston lovingly always points me to Christ and I'm so so thankful for him and just you know above my flaws he sees like how he can serve me and not doing it grudgingly or you know to stop me from nagging but really like truly his love for the lord is you know what shapes and fashions his you know his his duties as a husband to me so
2: yeah, uh, I, for myself, it's very similar. Um, I think one disappointing area was uh, just for me to see uh, for myself, you know, working full-time in, in corporate America, but also, um, you know, in the church. And for me, um, you know, wanting to still, say, study theology and all these other things. Um, but what was, you know, one of the things for me was that um, my wife and family, you know, they, they are they are part of this as well. And for me is that I want to pursue all these things. And I'm not giving my wife and my children the quality time because um, I want to fulfill a lot of my own selfish things on the side here. And so um, what has marriage has shown me is that I just can't get my way all the Hmm. time. And one of the things about it is that I want my way. You know, I want my way so many, I mean, almost every time, you know, I want my way um, because... Um, because of that—that that same root of selfishness that is so rooted. That sin is just so rooted in there, and so it's disappointing when, when I can't just get my way when I want to get my way, and so um, uh, that just shows more and more of that. Um, what does it mean to die to self and follow Christ? And so when I can't get my way, you know, you know that's a fight there. That's a fight because I want things this way. But God uses that, you know, to show me in my own heart where I'm where I'm at, you know, in life and things of that nature. And so, yeah, so it, it is difficult in those times when especially, you know, you want to go to every college football game you want to, you know, watch football on Saturdays quite a bit. And a lot of times I just can't get my way in those moments. And that's what marriage does, us. You know, you have to do a lot of sacrifices.
0: Yeah, I remember I think it was like actually last Wednesday or the Wednesday before that, you know, you were teaching on, you know, Genesis and we saw like, you know, how God created both Adam and Eve and we had this picture of marriage. And you say like a lot of times that like we say we want to follow Jesus and like we get married and God puts that spouse or that husband or wife in our lives and he says, "Okay, you want to follow me? Then like here you go. Here's a here's a, a wife that's unsubmissive, or here's a husband that doesn't love you like Christ love the church or here's a wife that doesn't do dishes how you do it. Work it out." And like through that like we we would think on the outside looking in, okay, their marriage is terrible. But like in reality, it is exactly what God used to shape mm-hmm. us and conform us.
1: Yeah, that that is absolutely true. <laughs> Growing up, um, my mom always taught me that your home should be a safe haven for your husband because your husband has worked, you know, long hours and <laughs> he doesn't want to come home to like a dirty house or um, so she's always instilled in me to always serve my husband, but, um, now being a Christian, I'm able to see that her teachings were right, but more so in a, I'm able to see it in more of a, a Christ-like manner or Christian way. Um, and so I do all of those things, um, for the glory of God. I, I am able to serve my husband and to serve my children, um, Because I know that, you know, what Christ has done in my life, you know, as an outworking, um, I guess as an outworking showing, um, of his love for me, I'm able to care, um, for my family in those aspects. So
0: Hmm.
2: what about you, man? Apostle Thomas. Yeah, um going back to what you mentioned earlier about what was said over there when it was in Genesis two, is that um like I said a lot of people pursue marriage. Like a man, I can't I'm in love. I can't I'm happy, you know, I wanna be happy, you know, I wanna enjoy these certain things, but um it's the it's a complete opposite. Hmm. You know, marriage used is used to conform us more to Christ. And so marriage shows us in sense of um the deep rooted issue that still haven't been resolved. Um, The deep-rooted issues of sin that we're still lingering on or or holding on to um, with a spouse that is is there and able to call you out on these certain things, uh, of not being patient, not being kind. Um, You have to face the reality of your own heart at that moment. You're able to see that, you know, how, say, how big of a jerk you are or Mm -hmm. in a sense or how far... You are off, um, and and because you, you think you're not that bad, you think hey, I'm a really nice person in this marriage, and everything is going well. But when a spouse come in, um, they able to see a lot that the outside is not able to see, and the Lord uses that to for us to see our own hearts. And that's why marriage is just so it's so miserable because a spouse say those things that we just don't want to hear, but we need those things. We need to hear those things that are difficult because the, because that's what God uses um, to conform us to him. If this is the whole goal in this thing for us to, to be more like Jesus, um, the person that God uses is actually a spouse. And for me, when I when I start the podcast off, there was a the whole thing about I didn't understand that when I first met my wife. Like say, uh, it was mostly marriage for beauty, but I didn't I wasn't marrying Alina for her to. To, to teach me by my heart i didn't i didn't i wasn't looking for that type of wife i looked for one that was beautiful the one that give me everything i want you know the one that caters and do all these other things that's what i want in the marriage you know everything there and so uh but it's the other way around um marriage show you in the sense of um day in day your need of christ that's a true marriage if you don't see if, if a if a spouse is not pointing you to Christ, is not calling you out on sin, um, the whole grace of that that God gives us spouse, it's a it's an actual God's grace that He gives a spouse for her to be used in a certain way, um, souls can be saved at the end. You know, <laughs> souls can truly be saved. And um growing in sanctification, all these things can happen when you have a spouse that can that can actually um call you out on all these things. That's
0: deep rooted in the heart. It's tough. That's tough. Now you look like um you can go to Google wherever you want to go to like your search engine you can see like the divorce rate is at an all time high, and we know biblically I believe like um is it Matthew 19 I know it's somewhere in Matthew like the Pharisees came up to Jesus and they said you know Lord is it lawful for me to divorce my wife on this occasion, and Jesus says that like for I tell you unless like you know basically you cannot divorce like your wife or your spouse unless on grounds of adultery. What would you guys say, like, the difficult, the difficulty <laughs> in, like, marriage, knowing that, like, you look like throughout the Bible, we're not given, like, many cases of, like, okay, you can divorce your spouse now. It's more of, like, this is, like, do death to you guys part. It's more built upon covenant of grace versus, like, if he does this and I do this, vice versa. What would you guys say about that?
2: Yeah, um, you're right, KJ. I mean, for me, myself, means so many different. I mean, it's it, it's 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 like it's a norm now in our society with the divorce rate. It's just steady declining, and now if some say, "Hey, I just don't want to get married," you know. And so, marriage is uh, is just um, right now. It's it's just so confusing in our day and age, and and I think the one the the, the whole purpose and, and the whole think of this is. I think a lot of the the philosophy out there, you know, yeah, you know, a lot of the the false teachings out there that said, you know, God just wants us to be happy, and so uh, so in a marriage when things not going your way, you're not happy. Well, that gives you the actual freedom now; you can divorce that person mm-hmm. because now you can find somebody that can really truly make you happy. Um, and so you see different cases like that in our society now, is that you know that. You know, you live once, you know, you live once and, you know, right now that you might have got married to that person, but that really wasn't the, you know, the right person you married. So you have freedom to break that covenant. So the covenant, I know in in marriage, when we say in the biblical terms, how we see how strong knitted that covenant is today in our society, it's not as strong anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, Marriage is like a, a certificate. You can just tear it up anytime you want to. Um, uh, it's not a, you know, major, um, um, covenant that how God is on and things of that nature. And, and I think it goes back to what you were saying about the covenant of works and the covenant of grace. And I think, and that's one of the things too, that gets me, um, KJ is a lot of time we only use covenant of works and covenant of grace when we are trying to talk about, um, you know, um, how Israel was under this covenant of works. Mm-hmm. And in the New Testament, when Christ comes, he comes under the new covenant, the covenant of grace. I, I don't think it's limited to that. I think that right there still shapes other things in life, even in a marriage. And so a lot of times people approach marriage as a covenant of grace. I'm going to love my spouse. Uh, I'm going to love my spouse as long as she loves me back. Works. You know, it comes to works, yes. Um. I'm going to love her as long as she loves me. Long as I do this for her, she will do this for me as long as he do this for her, she do this for me and and vice versa it's like it's it's a marriage built on that I'm gonna be happy long as everything works out the way I wanted things to work out and, and if it doesn't, it's time for divorce
1: hmm.
2: and but that's the when those things happening, a lot of time we think those are the bad things that are happening when things doesn't work out for us, but that's why we have the covenant of grace. You know, when my wife doesn't, you know, say, I love you or or do these things when I, you know, when I probably want those things to be said, uh, that coming to grace in a sense of getting there for me to be long suffering. Um, Once when when I'm not getting my way with my my wife, if I'm not getting my way and I kind of just at that moment. um, Just my wife not giving me all the attention that I want and things of that nature. And for me, say, well, I don't want to give her that attention back. I'm missing out on the opportunity to grow more in grace in that moment. Hmm. And so God uses that, even in her failures, for me to wash her with the word, for for me to be long-suffering. And the reason why I'm not long-suffering, it goes back. I still have those same idols in my heart.
1: Hmm.
2: So I'm not long-suffering because I'm not truly getting my way, and plus— I'm still struggling with patience. I'm still struggling with being kind, and so for me, not washing with a word when she's not loving me back, um what it reveals here though, is that it reveals of uh, my immaturity in the faith. Mm-hmm. So it's a God's kind of act of grace when a, when a spouse doesn't fulfill the things you want them to fulfill, don't look at it as a disappointment. Don't look at it as a disappointment. Well, looking in the way of how can i wash it with the word and still love her in the midst of that that's the covenant of grace and that's what christ has exactly done for us in the midst of our sins and all what we have done towards christ he loves us and he tells us in Romans, I think 5 8 how uh how he loved us um um christ how christ died for us when we were still sinners christ died for us he loved us How the verse go i know i kind of butchered up right there uh but this shows us a sense of what does it mean to give more grace in the midst of not getting my way in that moment um that's how christ conforms to himself that's how we suffer with christ in those moments
0: and uh miss alina what would you say like as far as like um so when we say like (laughs) marriage is miserable like for um they're probably saying like well duh look at my marriage i'm ready to divorce this person right now what would be the difference between like what we're saying like marriage is miserable because we're being more conformed to jesus versus like somebody that's married that's lost and their marriage is not built upon like the Bible making sense.
1: Yeah, um man, that is a loaded question. <laughs> um, I would say that marriage is miserable because <clears throat> as finite beings, we're always looking for like substance. You know, we're always like, you know, how can this man fulfill my needs or how can I you know, bring myself up to have him find me attractive, or whatever the case is. But all of that is like fleeting. You hmm. know, the Bible says that you know this world is vanity; everything is vain. Um, but when you have a marriage that is found founded upon Christ, and like that is the rock that holds your marriage together you know, we see all throughout scripture how Christ is constant. Like he's He's never changing. He's all knowing. You know, we can look upon those attributes of God and know that, you know, on a Monday I can be frustrated at my husband, but I see grace through all of that because Christ is the one that has sought me out and has loved me and, you know, has fulfilled all of the needs that my husband can't fulfill. And so through that... You know, his shortcomings isn't going to determine whether or not I'm going to divorce him this day, (laughs) you know, versus like an unbeliever versus an unbeliever. It's like, well, you don't have Christ. You don't have a rock. You don't have a solid foundation. And everything is like based off of emotion. And, you know, of course, our emotions sway left and right all the time. Um, And so. Um, I would say that is the difference between someone that is married outside of Christ and someone um, and uh, a couple that is Christian and is married.
2: And, and I say something too, what, what Lena just mentioned here is uh, a lot of time we set ourselves up for failure. And what I mean by this is that we create this high expectation like our spouse is going to be perfect. And when they disappoint us now, like we kind of just fold in those moments is that we actually treat our spouse and put her on the same level or or him on the same level with uh, with Jesus. Um, our spouses and um, they are in need of a savior, just like I am in need of a savior. And so for them is that, you know, when when it, when they don't get their way, uh, when a spouse failed them, um, they're they're they're, you know, in a sense of like this miserable, you know, in that in that moment. But in its sense of is that, um, no, um, your spouse is gonna fail you. And the amazing thing about it, that's what God uses to conform us to himself. The failures of your spouse, that doesn't mean a marriage is and Paul Tripp says, that doesn't mean a marriage is not working. It means that, that that is a marriage. Hmm. That's a true marriage. When when your spouse is struggling and 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 not fulfilling the things that you want your spouse to fulfill those things, that's not mean that the marriage is not working. That's not mean that that person is not for you, or that doesn't mean that in the sense of this is time to give up in a marriage, but it's a time right now is to, to show the likeness of Christ before your spouse on how he did the same thing for you. Hmm. So this is a time you you pour in. This is a time you care for them. And a lot of times we want to fix things so quick. We feel like we want to, Take a Tylenol and everything's going to go away. It's, it's not that easy. It's long-suffering. And it takes time and, and to build that person up, to love that person. And, and, and we have a testimony of ourselves. Look how long it's is that taken, even though Christ has saved us to himself. Look at this process of sanctification. This is the rest of our life. He uses sanctification for the rest of our life, but we don't see marriage that way. We want things in that quick second that we want our spouse to be fixed in that quick second. What about us? It's a long journey God uses to grow us into sanctification, to conform us more to Christ. And so that should lead us to be long-suffering towards a spouse when we're not getting our way. And it actually is a gift of God to show us where we're truly at in our marriage is that I'm not willing to go this far with my spouse. I'm willing to give up. Mm-hmm. That should show you where we, really, or where we really are at in our marriage in a way of we're struggling with patience.
1: And I would also say that um, marriage is very, very, very hard work, but it is absolutely worth it. You know, just through my sanctification, I can see, like, the glory being to God, how, like, in the midst of my sin, my husband still loves all my flaws, you know, just as, you know, Christ loved me um, to be able to, like, send his son to die on the cross for my sins, you know, Wretched and
0: lonely am I <laughs> we are there we are there, so here's gonna be that part of the episode that you know we might not we might get canceled, but what would you guys say biblically? I know you're already in the text, what are the roles like for a husband in a marriage, and what are the roles of like the wife in the marriage real quick before we get ready? They point at each other when we, <laughs> Chris Christmas us last time, so' that's later, what is the role of um, the wife in the marriage
1: um. Oh man, you're gonna like shun me. <laughs> no, I think um, Ephesians um, clearly states that you know, as wives, we are to submit to our husbands. Um, now, when as you to say that Lord, word
0: "submit," I know it's kind of like the, the the word you never say in the church. But what does that <laughs> mean? Actually, like, does that mean I have to be my husband at all things, or what? Does yeah, that
1: mean? yeah. So um, submission is um, you know, obeying your husband um, in light of scripture. So if he is not pointing you to Christ, if he is making unwise decisions that, um, are contrary to scripture and to the gospel, um, that is when you really need to reflect on, um, you know, what does scripture really have to say about this situation? You know, Mm -hmm. how am I as a wife supposed to submit to my husband, um not for his own glory or for your own but how is Christ going to be glorified in it um so yeah so that is like a that is a loaded word <laughs> yeah. and it is a word that um isn't talked about often because it's it's kind of taboo um in a lot of spaces um but I think bringing awareness to it and understanding what Christ has to say about submission um You know, understanding that my husband is the head of our family, and um, knowing and having like confidence in the fact that like he is in his word and understanding scripture and um, able to exegete text to be able to use it in the context that's not only for his Hmm. his own flesh, but more so like what does Christ have to say about this. You know how am i to lead my family and things like that and through that you know i even though you know i you know go against the grain more <laughs> often than not um you know submitting to my husband should be something that is joyful to me and um that i am you know happy to do um in my marriage
0: hmm. has it been like a I'm pretty sure you guys come from different backgrounds like you know i think bo- both you guys had married parents right in the home yes. okay and so like when you came into the marriage was that like a hard transition to like you know see what okay i'm um, biblically i know I'm supposed to submit practically was it hard kind of
1: um for me practically it was um because my my dad was always the what we would consider the breadwinner and so <laughs> um so just We didn't really talk about marriage in my home, but just kind of seeing the model and implementing that into my own marriage. um, One of the things that um, was kind of weird was that um, I was always taught to have a separate account, which was to me, (laughs) like, that was really strange. Um, And so to be able to like go against the grain and say, no, you know, what is mine, like, Scripture says that we are one, you know, and we leave our mother and our father um, and cling to one another. So that encompasses all areas. You know, Hmm. it encompasses the money, the finances and just those spaces that we are not willing to um, to to expose. But those those areas are exposed when we are with our spouses and, Hmm. you know, when we become one.
0: All right. And so you would say, like, you know, the, in Ephesians 5, the woman's, the wife's role is to, like, submit to her husband. And so what else would you say? or are you...
1: <laughs> I'm good because okay, I don't
2: okay. want to be. <laughs> she want to oxygen. So, Kristen, um, yes,
0: yeah, sir. What would you say the husband's role is in this marriage?
2: Yeah, yeah. And and the thing, too, um, I mean, I, and I'm just, it's one of the areas that's very sensitive. Um, A lot of uh, ladies' uh, wives that have... Been abused by God's word, you know, for you know, saying submit. They have men have used that in a way of that uh made a man like a totalitarian type deal. Like he is supreme and, and you know, he has almost. she had to do what was that?
0: Like a dictatorship.
2: Yeah, like a dictatorship type deal. Like Make she, a sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh it sounded comfortable over there, man. Yeah, I'm, you know, trying to practice that. I was
0: playing. I'm listening to the couch, y'all.
2: But uh but yeah, man, um but that, that doesn't that doesn't mean that, you know, that a man just, in a sense, of a woman has to just, her husband runs all over her. Um, be honest with you. One of the things about submitting is that as a man leads his wife biblically, uh, she delights, you know, in the sense of submitting in a God-honoring way. Um, but if a man is not leading biblically, um, the wife, a lot of times, is confused on, you know, what is expected in the marriage or relate. I mean, in the marriage. And so, uh, but... Um, but I, I would say though is that uh, husbands and we've been going through a book, uh, Biblical Manhood, by uh, Eric, Mason. Eric Mason. It's Been a really good book, and uh, and a lot of times uh, in, in the book he gets said most of what is the biblical man. A lot of times we think a biblical man is the one. I mean, a man, or true man is the one that cut the grass, the man that can uh, make a lot of money, you know, take care of the kids, and I mean, we we give all these. But depending on, um, you know, what a man can do, you know, in the sense of cutting the grass, things of that nature, that's what really make a man. He can cut grass and make money. I think the same thing, we approach marriage the same way. You know, long as uh, a husband, long as the husband can make money for the family, oh, he's a good husband. You know, I wish, you know, man, she complained about him. That's a good man, whatever, because he's making money. But making a lot of money don't make you a true biblical husband. Uh or in the sense of um making money and the best cook and not taking care of the kids, you know, and not loving the kids and watching them with the word either, that doesn't make you a biblical man. But what makes you a true biblical man or a true biblical husband is that man that conformed to Christ. Is that man in the sense of see his need of a savior daily and dying himself daily. Putting his own interest to the side for the sake of the love of one another. S- you know, sacrificing daily because Christ has sacrificed himself for that particular man mm. that is is that that is in him. And that's why it tells Ephesians 5, a husband love your wife as Christ loved the church. What did Christ do for the church? He gave himself up for her. To be a true husband is giving yourself up for your wife daily. you putting your wants and everything to the side, your preferences to the side. And it doesn't tell us how many times we're gonna put our preferences to the side, mm. cause a lot of times we say, "Well, I did more than her, so that should be good." Um, <laughs> it doesn't have a number on there, and this right here is telling us that this is when we covenant in marriage, you always put yourself to the side. Can you go ahead and close the Bible, because I don't feel like a bandit. <laughs> <laughs> and so you you always put yourself to the side, and all of us say, "Well, it's not fair. It's not fair." Um, how can we say God is not fair? And, and God described this way. Look what Jesus done, he was in heaven with the Father, he didn't need to come, he didn't have to come, he was fine with the Father. But, but guess what he did? He put everything to the side for just a moment in the sense, oh, he still was sovereign, he still was all God, you know, 100% God in the flesh and 100% in, in, in the spirit. Um, he still was part of this triune God, he all of that. But for him, he came and took upon lowly flesh. Mm. He did all this for the sake of to love those who didn't love him. In the same exact way, let's look how far he went. And we complain in the sense of just several times our spouses, you know, disappoint us. Christ went that far. He caused us to do the same thing even in a marriage. That's how far this love goes for a spouse. To wash it with the word. And if you're not ready to sign up for that, if you're not ready to do that, you might want to reconsider marriage. Because you go into marriage, it's not about you anymore. Hmm. It's about you resembling Christ in your home how you build up your wife. And I think Adrian Rogers said this a while back. He said, different doesn't mean deficient. By being a man, and this is my, say, role in the house to lead our family and to watch my wife with the word and do these things, that don't make me better than her. You know, different do not mean deficient. She is just as equal with me in so many different things. She has the Lord has given her as a wife areas of her areas of uh, of a wife to to serve her husband, do things for her husband um, that that um, that is not given to a man, and a man is given this. And so I think what happened is that when we take these roles and switch them up, we kind of look at God and saying, "Well, God, you don't know what you're doing." <laughs> and but but we should embrace both roles. God give a wife this and give a man this. And different on me and deficient. As my wife, we have six amazing children. And as my wife serve and homeschool the kids, by her doing that, that's not a, in a sense of, you know, a bad opportunity, you know, or or, or something that's, that's terrible. And uh, God uses that to mold her into the image of his son. So that's not bad. And the same thing for me, leading is not bad all of it is good and represents yeah. God's glory.
0: So as we get ready to draw to a close, if you guys are, you know, more interested about marriage, you guys know our confession also has a chapter specifically on marriage. So you guys can go check that out. 689, London's Baptist Confession of Faith and check out the chapter on marriage. But final closing question, I always got to do this. What is the gospel? You know, maybe somebody's out there has lost all this stuff right here is kind of new to them. They've never heard none of this stuff we are talking about. And we're saying that the marriage should be built upon Christ. You know who is Christ? What is the gospel? How does marriage you know reflect that? Somebody. <laughs> then we'll talk,
2: y'all. All right, I guess I'll jump in there. Um, <laughs> my wife is nudging me on the leg. Yeah, maybe. I can tag team. I can tag team. And so um what can we tag team? Okay. She said yes. Okay, here we okay. go. Okay. Yeah, she said yes. Okay. Um, we know in creation um god created all things and we know the heavens above psalm 19 1.
1: the heavens declare the glory of god and the skies above proclaim his handiwork
2: everything is shouting out there is a god Uh, there is a creator and we find that creator in the scriptures (laughs) as being the triune god he's holy Uh, i think it's revelation 4 11.
1: Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive all the glory and all the power and all the honor for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Exactly.
2: So God is worthy of all the honor and power and the glory. He created all the things. He deserved it. But what happened in the garden is that we see that God deserves our honor and power and glory. We see Adam and Eve, they want to steal that glory.
0: Hmm.
2: They want to be as God and they want the glory to be on themselves. And not only Adam and Eve, We as well, as we want to rule over God, we want things our way and we want to pursue things that's not of God. And so every time we sin against God, for us saying is that our interests and our desires is more important than God's holiness. Hmm. And so um, we all have done that. And that's why it tells us in Romans 3, thing 10, it tells us that no one is righteous, no, not one. Um, and says about how everyone, um, has went astray. Everyone has sinned against God. Um, and we all in a sense of have, have, and it's in like Romans 3, 23. Um, um, for we all have sinned against God. And then we go to Romans six twenty three, And so since we all have sin, let's say sin, we deserve death. We deserve God, eternal wrath, eternal punishment. But God was so kind before the foundation of the world, God already laid out a plan within the Father, Son, and the Spirit that the Son was going to come and going to be the Redeemer. For people that didn't want to honor God, that didn't want to give God the glory, want to steal his glory, he sent his only son, Jesus. And by sending his only son, his son came and took back the glory that belonged to the Father, Son, and the Trinity, I mean, in the Spirit. And the son lived a perfect life and by living a perfect life, the father uh, had to punish his son on the cross. so the sins of the people was placed on the son and by the sin of the people placed on the son that the son was actually the son was punished punished and for the people that um, for the for the people that are sinned against God. They didn't get death. They believed in him. They get life. God gives his eternal, he gives them eternal life because he places his righteousness on them. So when Jesus died, Jesus lived a perfect righteous life. He doesn't deserve death. But what he do? He gives his perfect life to these sinners. But the sinner's life is given to Christ. And that's why the father had to punish his only son because now he became sin for the sake of the people that he was going to save. And when the son does this, the son is punished for these people. And these people get eternal life because now they believe in the righteousness of the son. Mm -hmm. So when they die before God, they stand before God. They say, Father, don't, don't, Father in heaven, don't look at my life. Look at Jesus' life. My life and everything's, I deserve hell. But I look, look to Jesus' life. His life gives me heaven and give me eternal life forevermore. And so that's why we see here in biblical Christianity as the gospel is that, We get life because of what Christ has done for us, for those who believe in him. Yes, yes, yes. And all this is, what he just preached is the good news of Jesus Christ.
0: And all this is reflected in marriage. Knowing what he just said should reflect how your marriage is. And not only that, your marriage should be built upon this. And so today, we talked about marriage is miserable. And I just want to thank the Thomas household. They definitely be featured on more episodes. You guys will have to pay us, though. You know, we can't, ain't ain't, ain't it the free around here nowadays, but. Like always, my cash up name is P-A-Y-151.